Uh, we got kind of been criticized a lot for a movie we did several years ago, Fork Your oh, Diet. Oh boy, did we? That. Yes. We had the, um, the character was like a, a crackhead feeding her kids sugar, you know, and we were busting the place, you know, doing a raid on it for child abuse. Well, and it's, uh, I know this for a fact, is that children will not grow up doing better than their parents do. So the ground rules or the habits start in the home. So we have to yeah. start getting those things out and making healthy transitions. Like instead of Almond Joy, maybe just almonds as a snack. Let's talk about a new system. Well, they're bringing it on us, right? They've 90% of all the central banks globally, they're gonna come in with messaging like this is the amazing white knight on a shiny horse coming in to save the day, right? Well, no. kid we were always outside just playing and running and moving and just having a good time yeah boy things have changed <laughs> i can remember going to this when i was a kid I'd, I'd go to this little place they called it the ditch right sounds kind of a healthy place doesn't it but we'd go play in the creek and i remember um i had a little piece of bacon on a string and i'd throw it out there in the little creek and i'd catch crawdads <laughs> so you catch the biggest crawdad right and and then we learned how to play with fire over there, unfortunately. And we learned about uh, horny toads and lizards and all that stuff, getting our hands in the dirt. And we were active all day. And I, I remember being out all day long and our parents had to go, you know, yell for us. Or maybe one of the neighbor's parents would have to yell for us and then tell us a message to get home. It's time for dinner. Uh, it's not like that anymore. Oh, no. And in fact, things have really, really changed. I read an article the other day that talks about how the American Academy of Pediatrics is urging for the treatment of obesity of young children with surgery and drugs. We're not mm. talking about let's get out and get active. We're not talking about let's monitor what's going in our, our pie hole, if you, if you will. It's we're going right to surgery and drugs. Yeah, I read that article too. And it kind of freaked me out. And I got to tell you, I got, I got kind of angry about it because uh, we got kind of been criticized a lot for a movie we did several years ago, Fork Your oh, Diet. Oh boy, did we? That. Yes. We had the, um, it's great. The, we had the FMI badges and we came up <laughs> yeah. and raided a house. Knocking and, on the door. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the character was like a, a crackhead feeding her kids sugar, you know, and we were busting the place, you know, doing a raid on it for child abuse. And it, it really, that came to my mind when I saw that article. I thought, what the heck have we done? You know, statistics don't lie today. And in, in our day, it wasn't like that. You know, you look back at old pictures. You didn't see uh, children that were, you saw some that may be a little bit chubby, but you didn't see obese kids. I mean, that just wasn't even heard of. And nor obese, you know, adults. But now, one in four children are obese right now and if those trends continue it is predicted by some unfortunately that by 2050 100 percent of our population in these united states will be overweight or obese and i think about all the disease trends and stuff like that and how it could be avoided and how that you know what we do within our practice and clinic and helping people all around the world is we 
teach them how that doesn't have to be part of their life. They can actually eliminate that potential for, you know, obesity to come up and you don't have to do some work. It's not about a pill, but it doesn't have to be right. And then when I saw the article, I kind of got irate about it because it did talk about drugs and surgery at 12 and 13 years old. So drugs start at 12 and surgery starts at 13. What? Does that even make sense? It absolutely does not make any sense to me, when, especially when we haven't looked at the modifiable risk factors. Just because you're born with a certain set of genes does not mean you have to have a certain outcome. As we both know, genes have changed 2% in 10,000 years. That's right. So if we look back at those pictures that we were just talking about, what has changed you know, in the early 80s, when that food pyramid came out, yeah. and we really reversed what we should be eating instead of fresh and raw fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, and glued clean protein, we started to say we needed six to eight servings of grains. And now it's moved to making things like cereals and all of these processed carbohydrates be like normal, like some something that we should be eating instead of something that we should minimize if that's part of the problem. Well, my opinion is I believe that this crisis we're seeing that is obesity being the fastest growing non-communicable disease in the history of mankind, progressively getting younger and younger now to children. I think that is the, um, the downfall of, of our country and world. I don't think it's because of climate change. I don't think it's because of, you know, finances. I think it's an under collapse of our ability or inability, I should say, to recognize the, the brilliance of the human body. And you mentioned genetically, we do genes. And the majority of people have genes that will help them gain fat at appropriate times, like times of famine. But these genes don't create obesity. Now, this has been created by a, a culture that's been generated and subsidized and profitized, well, frankly, from, from our own government. It makes me ill at my stomach because no one wants to talk about it. And these kids that are mentioned in that article, you know, for the, the experts to say that pediatric professionals, which I, I use that word loosely, to even say that this idea of childhood obesity is just a... It's a disease that's like asthma. You know, you, there's, it's not a lifestyle disease. A lifestyle has nothing to do with it. What you eat has nothing to do with it. That was the silliest thing I think I've ever read, at least in the last 10 years. Absolutely, especially when we're looking at adults that come into our practice, and we see that if we put those lifestyle things in place, good nutrition, oh. optimal exercise, stress management, Hormone balance. Have we looked as, you know, is the thyroid off? Is the insulin signaling mechanism off? What about genetics? Maybe we need to detox a individual a little bit more routinely. Get rid of that persistent organic pollutant load that's actually coming in instead of putting somebody on drugs that's simply yeah. a band-aid that's not going to change the root of the problem. Or how about let's cut out an organ? That doesn't make sense for the long haul. That could potentially set us up for another whole host of problems. Yeah, to think about you know the idea of surgery at a 13-year-old kid when they're in the middle of growth process. I think that's the childhood mutilation concept. That is not even right. And then to use drugs at that time without talking about lifestyle is 
that is disgusting. And I don't know who these people think they are. That article is completely preposterous in all aspects. So if you're a parent out there and you have a, a child that's struggling with this, um, you know, we can teach you processes that will help you get it. And then you can do the best thing for that child is you can train them how to not have to deal with it later in life. So you can actually save the next generation by becoming part of the solution instead of becoming and maintaining part of the problem. We need to see obesity go away and it doesn't need to go down in our children. Bottom line. I don't like vegetables. If your kids are like mine, you need some tricks and tips on how to get kids to eat healthier. And when you navigate through these, these economies with people, here's, here's what happens. We want to hold their hand through it, let them know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge. Because a lot of times when you're struck with fear, fear does two things. Number one, it can paralyze and, and people just put their head in the sand and say, I'm just going to forget about it and hopefully it gets better. Or it causes you to make a wrong decision. And this is why we are here is to help people navigate through the political quagmire nonsense that's going on, the economic malaise and the absolute collapse that we're seeing. And when our freedoms are eroding, our political freedoms, our economic freedoms, our personal freedoms, our religious freedoms, our health freedoms, they're all tied together. But you know what doesn't need to erode with that? Our finances. KirkElliottPhD.com forward slash Sherwood. Hey friends, you already know the answer to this, but we'll ask you anyway. If you stay away from your favorite junk food for a month and then go back to supersizing it, will your health improve? Well, that's the thing about change. To change, we have to be as consistent as possible. And when we go back to an old habit, it's not the end of the world. We just get back at the new habit. Before you know it, real transformation is evident to you and others. That's why we offer a bunch of helpful bonuses when you subscribe to Kingdom Fuel. Kingdom Fuel is our complete nutritional meal shake. It's the simple start to a transformed life and we'll auto ship every month so you don't run out. You'll receive two free shaker cups, free access to our video courses and a monthly call with us filled with practical inspiration. Just see the link below or on your screen and subscribe today. The body's amazing at recovery, so you want to give it every chance, no matter what time it is. So in that context, no, it's certainly never too uh, late. You're never too old to start trying to be healthy. No matter where you are in terms of your health, that you can turn this around. It's never too late to start a wellness program, and it's never too late to reach your healthcare goals. Uh, there's an old adage, um, and I'm not sure where it came from, but I really do like it. And, they say um, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. We just want people to hang on to hope. We are hope dealers. And if you are not paying attention to the four foundational pillars of health, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual, eventually it is gonna catch up. If we get all those four areas right, and we do it right, we see a dynamic occur in the middle called wellness, and that's where people uh, get better. Their health, is really going to return as a side effect of wellness.
You know, day after day, week hmm. after week, we deal with frustrated parents that come into the clinic and go, it is really hard for me to get little Johnny to to eat better. So the challenge yeah. is, you know, the parents will say, well, I hate vegetables. I don't want to eat that. Just it, like that, it, too. It feels like fuzzy fur. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. So we have to kind of guide them in a healthy direction so that it doesn't become a family feud. Well, when I was growing up, I had to tell you, and people might not believe this, but I used to say I hate vegetables, and I I did. I made myself hate vegetables because I continued to say that, and, and I wasn't encouraged to eat them. But I, I got to tell you, man, I mean, I sit down. We didn't have much money, but I sit down to many of a meal where it was like a, a canned spinach that had the, the green sauce running all over everything. <laughs> I'm like, that is like nasty, and it was not very good. And, and I remember being told to... Um, you know, clean my plate. And I remember taking those bites and literally crying and trying to get one little string of that spinach down. And so I did grow up because of that environment to hate vegetables. And I talked myself into it, not realizing the whole time that vegetables are really the, the highest nutrient value things that we should be eating more of. So, you know, we've got to really think about the whole aspects of what parents are doing and how parents are presenting the case to kids in regard to you know, not just not saying that, but putting the idea that vegetables are good for you in your head and in your in your body. Well, and it's uh, I know this for a fact is that children will not grow up doing better than their parents do. So the ground rules or the habits start in the home. So if the mm. parents bring those things in and they make them okay, the kids begin to think that that's okay. So we have to yeah. start getting those things out and making healthy transitions. Like instead of almond joy, maybe just almonds as a snack. Or yeah. instead of ice cream, maybe a frozen protein shake. I didn't really, I just thought of an interesting case I had. This has been years ago, but um, it was it was a mother that came in and a father and they brought their two kids who happened to be girls. And they Oh, were, I remember that. I think they were in their teens. Uh, very overweight, the two girls were. Uh, the mother was very concerned, and she's the one that brought him in. And dad, I remember sitting over there like this. And he was somewhat supportive, but observantly looking at them, not judgmental. They were overweight too, and they were concerned about their kids, and I appreciate that. They wanted us to help them with their kids, right, help their kids uh, lose weight. And one of them actually was was type 2 diabetic, borderline at that point. And I think she was 16, super sad. But they wanted us to help with them. And I remember the day that I had the kids get out of that office and I talked to the parents. And I was straight with them. I mean, I looked at them in the eye and I said, hey, you want me to help your kids? Yes. I said, what are you all doing? Are you all doing the same thing that I'm asking them to do? And And the mom was like, well, I know I need to. And the dad was like, well, that's their thing. And I just jumped right in the middle of their nonsense at that point. And I said, no, no, you got to lead. Because ultimately, if the parents don't do it, why would the kids do it? You know, why? And, and they would have no reason. Now, they weren't successful at all because of that very principle. And I, I, I grieve the idea that those kids may be, you know, destroyed emotionally because they were in that position. Knowing that the parents were literally criticizing them under the veil of being concerned about them, but they weren't willing to do what it took on their own side to lead the way. Well, that's kind of a hard concept yeah. when you start to think about that. That's almost like being a hypocrite. It, from my perspective, being a clinician, 
Yeah. Seeing another clinician telling their patients, hey, don't smoke, but they're outside smoking a cigarette. Ooh. You know, we have to be careful about the way that we teach our children to go. If you teach them to go in the right ways, they'll never depart from those ways. Well, there is a scripture, I think it's Proverbs 20, verse 6, that says that, you know. But ultimately, if we're not leading the way, who is? I think about this. Who is? If the parents aren't leading the way in the physical way, you know, and spiritual and emotional too, but if they're not doing it, the kids need leadership. We all know that because they're not able to as a you know, 10 and 12 year old go out outside out here in the world and make it, they have to have leadership. And so who's leading the way? Well, it's media, you know, it's other people, other kids. And, you know, that's just kind of luck of the draw, isn't it today? I mean, we all know that, but with the trends going the way they are to lead people to, down the, the pathway of a healthier life, the parents have to do it. They have to begin to, to make, uh, make it a fun process of eating healthy, you know, get fruits out just like this and, and make it a fun process. Name that fruit, you know, where does it come from? Where's it grown at? You know, what nutrients does it contain? You know, begin to mix in things like kingdom fuel. Right. We've talked about that before. You know, I was talking to a, a well-known influencer recently. You know, it was actually Lara Trump. And yeah. Well, kingdom Fuel. What is, what is Kingdom Fuel? Well, it's a meal we created. You know, it's in a whole uh, jug that is organic pea protein. It's greens and reds. It's got a full spectrum of vitamins and minerals and soluble and insoluble fiber. And I thought to myself, you know, that's great. And when I was talking to uh, Lara about that, you know, that's that's Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, actually. She says, well, yeah, that's perfect for my kids. And we talked about mixing in fruits, mixing in bananas, use, mixing it with almond milk and coconut milk and things like that, and mixing in vegetables. Can you imagine blending vegetables into that drink? Amazing, amazing process. And we can all do that to sort of make it convenient and lead the way for these kids. Yeah, and making making meal planning fun. Kids can cut up the fruit. They can make exactly. shapes out of the fruit. They can help make the meat patties. They can make shapes out of the meat patties. So it becomes not just nutrition. It can become also an art. Teach them how to cook. Teach them what the food means. Teach them what real food is. Give them a fun opportunity, you know, whether it's helping them cook or letting them cook with you or making a fun smoothie and letting them pick the flavors they want into it. There is a bunch of different ways to, to help. But parents, you got to lead the way, man, and give them a chance. And if you don't give them a chance, what chance do they have, right? So I think that these are some real key tools and key opportunities to help us teach kids how to be more healthy. Let's get real. Most emergency food is just as bad for you as any other choice in the standard American diet. And that's just sad. We don't just need food. We need highly nutritional food. We don't just want to survive food shortages. We are meant to thrive in adversity. Complete your daily nutrition and have shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. Hello, I'm Kevin Sorbo. Now there's an old saying, it's not what you know, but who you know that matters. Now that's true in our careers, spiritual life, and when it comes to our health and overall well-being. Today, most of us know a lot of information about health and nutrition, but are we really doing anything with it? So here's what I've learned from working with doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. They're the founders of the Functional Medical Institute. 
you need a wellness plan that's customized based on your unique needs. Now remember, real change can only happen when you address the whole person. That is exactly what Mark and Michelle do, and why they are people you should know. They'll help you discover what you need to experience transformation. Find out at Sherwood.tv slash Sorbo. That's Sherwood.tv slash Sorbo, or just see the link below. Have a great day and God bless. I could use your assistance. Okay. Um, Jesus. Huh? I, my name is Jesus. <laughs> sure. Jesus. Jesus is here today. You, uh, you looking for a job? Yes, sir. You and Mark have 45 days before the bank forecloses. Not to worry. They do not call me by God buyer for nothing. The collection plate starts to be passed around. Mark reaches into the basket and shouts, you and your family are the winner from the first church of the Lotto. Kind of think of it like a high stakes bingo night every Sunday. This video of the diaper is going viral right before I This is a miracle. What, what is? Friends of Faith has over 300,000 followers. Oh my god! That's more followers than Moses had! Jesus! Take the wheel! Say it. No, Stop it. take the wheel! I got it! I got it, buddy! Hey, Mark, it's great to be with you again. And um, we've all been talking about the globalists and their plans for a, a big global reset and what that means for, for a long time now. Well, starting on January 16th, for one week, they were all meeting the, the, the G7, the G20, the IMF, the World Economic Forum, um, all the big globalist policy leaders globally were meeting in Davos, Switzerland, like they do every single year. They had this confab, right? So what were they talking about, right? Well, before they even met, their notes came out, you know, the outline, this is what we're going to talk about to all you people that are here, right? All the, the globalists, and we've got Republicans and Democrats and politicians there. They're all meeting. And what are they talking about? What did they talk about, right? So according to the World Economic Forum website, these are the topics. And, and again, like I've said before, words have meaning, right? So let's listen to these words. They're, they're bullet points. They're going to address the current energy and food crisis in the context of a new system for energy, climate, and nature. They're going to address the current high inflation, low growth, high debt economy in the context of a new system for investment, trade, and infrastructure address the current industry headwinds in the context of a new system for harnessing frontier technologies for private sector innovation and resilience. They're going to address the current social vulnerabilities in the context of a new system for work, skills, and care. And they're going to address the current geopolitical risk in the context of a new system for dialogue and cooperation in a multipolar world. It's like, what's all this talk about a new system? Well, they're bringing it on us, right? They've 90% of all the central banks globally are now starting to issue central or going down the path of a central bank digital currency. Now, they're going to come in with messaging like this is the amazing white knight on a shiny horse coming in to save the day, right? Well, no, this is not what it's about. 
All that a central bank digital currency is is cryptocurrency. It's a digital version of the paper money that they already print. However, so they can print just as many dollars as they want, right? Or as many yen or as many euro as they want. They can issue as many digital version of that currency as well because there's no tangible backing behind it. So it's going to do nothing to address the inflationary pressures. But here's the deal, Mark. For, you know, the old saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. Okay. Nobody would want a system where your digital social profile, what you spend money on, what your religion is, who you donate to, what church you give to, what political party you give to, how you spend your money, have you been vaxxed or not vaxxed, right? All of this is part of our digital social profile. And if they don't like it, because it's programmable money, they have the authority to shut off your ability to buy or sell. This is what a digital social profile attached to a central bank digital currency does. So when they're talking about a new system, this is the system they're talking about. How do I know that it's not some other system? Because further on in their notes, they talk about how this, this is going to be a new normal, how they have to talk about a global coalition for digital safety, because there's big efforts that we need to tackle here. They need to talk about applying human rights to the digital world. Why? Because they know that their system is going to strip away our privacy, our freedom, and our rights. And so they need to talk about how are we going to tackle this when we're going to have a ton of opposition from stripping people of their freedom and their privacy completely. So this is what's going on politically. And all of our investments, Mark, are we are a combination of some puzzle pieces, the political puzzle piece, the economic puzzle piece, the social puzzle piece, right? They all get put together. And this is what I do and what we do at our firm is put those puzzle pieces together and strategically put together a system to get out of the path of this hurricane and safely reallocate to get out of the system where you're not just a digital number, where your programmable money can shut you off from buying or selling, right? So how do you do that? With tangible assets like gold and silver that not only have we talked about in the past how they're great investments, I mean, they're they're booming, but they're also in this respect, um, also instrumental in protecting your religious freedom, your personal freedom, your political freedom, your economic freedom, your health freedom, because it's private, they're private transactions. So, so call our office. You know, Mark, you and I talk a lot about this and, and every one of the viewers should give us a call because we can strategically map out. It's a free consultation, your strategy for success so you can thrive. And all you have to do is go to kirkelliottphd.com forward slash Sherwood, or you can just give our office a call 720-605-3900 and say, Dr. Mark sent you. Let's get real. Most emergency food is just as bad for you as any other choice in the standard American diet. And that's just sad. We don't just need food. We need highly nutritional food. We don't just want to survive food shortages. We are meant to thrive in adversity. Complete your daily nutrition and have shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now.